All right, social media family, thank you for joining us once again. Now, in preparation, just thinking about tonight's lesson and thinking about the season we're in, we're, we're going to have a lesson on Christian philosophy, but it's going to deviate from lesson 12. We'll pick back up with lesson 12 and next week. But I just I felt led to kind of talk about, again, the whole concept of philosophy. And it was, it's funny how some of the conversation we had earlier before we started, we were talking about just how, you know, different members of the body, how we, it just seems like we are at war with each other, right? Mm. You have, you know, your doctrinal camps, you know, they say this thing and that thing, you know, we talk about the reformed group says this and the apostolic reformation says that the word of faith says this and that this, that, and the third, and there's all of this back and forth. And the question is like on the outside looking in, how does this look to the world when they see this, when everybody is supposed to be a representative of Christianity, but we have all this, this infighting and stuff. And to extend that also in how that is spilled over into the culture, just how we see the discord, the hatred in our culture, in our world, the division. Right? So I want us to go to, let's start with Judges 21. Judges chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 25. Judges 21, verse 25. Okay. All right. I'm going to read this in the King James. Verse 25, chapter 21 says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which, which was right in his own eyes. In the Amplified, verse 25 says, In those days when the judges governed, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now, when you hear this verse and you think about, you just look at, we can look at this on different levels in our own lives, in our communities, and amongst fellow believers. How much of this can we see in the world we live in today? And in some of our houses of worship. Almost 100%, I'd say. Because we could definitely see it in the world, right? Even in the denominations, if you have a strong leader, they're going to they're gonna go down whatever camp he's in. And then usually, not every time, but usually they condemn the other camps. 
I got to thinking the other day, I was actually outside in springtime, you know, the beauty and stuff. And I actually saw, I was living outside of our house. Mom knows what I'm talking about. There's this, um, there's an anthill that, you know, ants were creating. And I took my phone. I thought it was amazing how the cameras were and stuff. And I was like zooming in and I was watching them. And I, I got to thinking, I go, you know, it says in Proverbs too, you know, about the ants. They don't have a king, they don't have anything, but they're in unity. I don't know. It just made me think it's funny that we're talking about this tonight. I go, well, I was thinking about, you know, the church in general, like it's so disunified. <laughs> you know, it's this, that, everybody does what they want to do. And I go, these ants, they don't have a leader, but they do. I mean, if, if you put a piece of dirt down in the anthill, you watch, they know exactly what to do. They go and they do it. Their goal is to keep digging, bring it right back out. You put a little twig in there. I go, well, you, we can't do nothing in the church by <laughs> doing this, 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 you know, everywhere. <laughs> I want to go there. Let's go to Proverbs 6, since she mentioned that. Proverbs chapter 6. <laughs> That's right. Sister Terry is really right. Yes, that is true. I agree. <laughs> All right. Proverbs 6, and I'm going to start at verse... Six. It says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit, and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Verse 6 again. Take a lesson from the ants. Now in the King James it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Why is the ant feminine? Because mm. she's wise and she's busy. <laughs> well, that would coincide with Proverbs 31, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But think about it. Now, Julie made a point about the ant. How can they be so? Because all of us know, especially growing up around here, right? Summertime, the ants are like unified and they have a mission and they, you know, it, Next thing, you know, next thing you know, they just, you got ant hills all over your sidewalk and stuff like this. They're infiltrating your house. And there's teamwork, right? But there's no, no big ant with a robe and a chain standing up, pointing fingers. How about adamant? That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> but Proverbs tell us to consider... <clears throat> The ways of the ant. Well, you hit on something. It's, the mission gets distorted. You said they have a mission. So in the body of Christ, the mission gets distorted or gets, we get distracted from the mission. And so we begin to attack each other. That's an interesting thought. That yeah. sense. We, 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 we miss the vision. No, the, the mission is, and the God makes it very plain what the mission is. 
but the enemy wanted to distract us from the mission. And so I started criticizing you and I criticized you and criticized you. And so forget all about the mission. And once again, there there's going to be disagreements. But if we focus on the mission, you know, we can put our differences aside and say, okay, well, you may see it this way, I may see it this way, but what's the mission? What are we trying to accomplish? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm wondering, do we hear how on point that is? Because that's a war tactic. Mm-hmm. If you can get the enemy to, to divert their attention in another direction, then you're weakening their ability to defeat you, right? And what what does the enemy have in his his arsenal? Deception, Mm -hmm. right? And we already know what the word says about strife, Mm -hmm. right? And see, and that stuff, it's, it's like, it's amazing. And like just all the things that are going on in our world today. And we talk about philosophy, right? And I'm looking at CNN and I'm here, I'm looking at all this stuff with Trump and everything. And you got you got a certain group of people there like cheering and throwing parties over this over what's happening to this man, right? And then you got another part that they are like lined up in cars, like in support, trying to, you know, just doing all this stuff. And it's like, okay. Why is the and this and this is just one example, right? Why is this getting so much attention when you got so many other things going on? What what did Eric say? Well, to deflect you from looking at the things that matter. Right. Right. Distraction. Mm-hmm. Big one. Mm-hmm. Right. But they say big to the people. <laughs> It's interesting, again, like we're talking about, it's like, you know, I know we all do that sometimes, we'll talk about something, Bible study or church or something, and that week you're thinking about it, and you're like, oh, it like comes up, it's, I was like, I was thinking about it this week, a couple nights, I was just kind of laying back, just thinking, praying, and I go, you know, I think even good things in the church body, over time, the focus, you know, we're not like, our goal is not, you know, we have different goals or, you know, whatnot, and it gets distracting as I go, I think even good things like healing, don't get me wrong, God wants us heal. He wants us well. He absolutely, completely, 1,000% wants us well. But, like, some churches I would notice, like, even Mom and I have been to certain gatherings and things in our past where it would be, okay, we're going to do this healing conferences. Healing, 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 healing. But we start to lose focus of who are we supposed to be focused on? I was to say, what are we actually? Who are we? Yeah. And that's just a byproduct, you know, we'll be healed. There's nothing wrong with talking about healing, of course. But it's just like um, we tend to get distract you'll have like one group of believers that are like oh we believe in healing and then they even deliverance. have deliverance and then like they even have and i'm not picking on any denominations like even like the seven days of rest i mean the seventh day of rest seventh day at venice and i don't know what they believe and i respect them they're my brothers and sisters but in literal denomination that's actually named after something i go you know it's just like you know we're supposed to be <laughs> focused on Jesus, you know, together and all the other stuff is a, like we said, a byproduct, you know. But it's kind of like what Eric said. Mm-hmm. The ants have a genetic blueprint. God puts instinct in them, in mm-hmm. them. They follow yeah. the blueprint. We have a blueprint. 
but we keep forgetting to check it. (laughs) Jesus gave us the key to all that. When somebody's attacking you, bless them that persecute you. And it works. It works. I mean, I heard a preacher saying that there was another preacher in the town they were in that spent 10 minutes every day on the radio talking bad about him. And he said uh, the Lord told him to gather up a big offering and send him a love offering. And he did. And he said, he said that just melted the guy because the stuff the guy was saying wasn't true. And this guy thought he wanted to retaliate at first, but then the Lord gave him that scripture and said, loving, blessing. And he did. And he said it ended. The, the battle ended. That's good. But I think, you know, when I, we, I mean, personally, I can handle it when attack comes from the world. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's expected. Yeah, who cares? What, but the church. Right. Yeah, but when it comes from within. Oh, yeah. Then it gets the perfect. He's like, wait a minute, you know, we, okay, we, we, we don't supposed to be on the same mission. We supposed to have the same goal, just you know, to reach the laws, to mature in Christ. Those are things, you know, we have our differences, but let's get back to what the main Keep point the main is. Thing, the main, main thing, the main thing, right? This is okay. So, but when it comes from within, then it's like, okay, and there's a way to do it. Without being critical, was a while. And to me, I don't like name dropping people. That's just when you start name dropping, then mm-hmm. to me, you know, you can disagree with them, say how you disagree with somebody without just saying, This is this person that I'm attacking. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, maybe more than one person that agree with that. So you can say, Okay, here's what I heard. It's why I agree, and then show scripture to show why you disagree with it. But when we just begin to, to attack people by name, yeah, then it can become personal. I think it becomes more hurtful that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Last night, last night I was just um, thinking after hearing the news and the, listening to news even for a few minutes can be really disturbing if you let it be but I was, I was thinking of the lord and i was thinking of jesus and realizing he lived in a time that really wasn't all that different from the way things are now under rome it was it was really a very difficult place to be and it said that he set his face like flint towards jerusalem and and we know that that wasn't just a physical thing that was he set his heart on on the job, the calling, the mission that um, that the father had for him, and and we really see that displayed. And it's interesting because, um, like what Eric was saying, he didn't have a whole lot of patience for those quote unquote in the body. You know, at that point, you know, the Jewish body, he he didn't have a whole lot of patience for. Well, yes, he did have all the patience, but but he he spoke directly to those. Um, that were pharisaical or, or hypocritical, but um, you don't see him even talking about the news, you know, the day by day experiences that were going on around him the whole time, you know, and, and making headlines, I'm sure, in the Roman courts all the time. And I, I just thought that was really fascinating. That helped me a lot to to refocus myself and remember that it's Christ that we keep our eyes on and not not um, all of the babble that's going on around us. And, and it even, it even seems like during his time, um, you know, 
Jesus never once talked about, because the Jews were under the authority of the Roman government, meaning under the authority of Rome. Mm -hmm. He never once talked about overthrowing them, conquering the, the Roman government, you know, changing leaders. But the religious leaders in the community, they were focused on that. You know, when, okay, he's supposed to come and when the Messiah comes, he's the overthrow and establish a new kingdom. So we'll be back into a thought. He had no interest in what was going on in the natural far as who is in charge, who is in authority and, and that kind of thing. You know, his focus was on what God sent him to do. And as everyone saying, you know, our focus gets off because of all those distractions. And scriptures tells us in Ephesians, you know, those are the, you know, I read King James a lot, you know, I did, but the wiles of the devil, those are the wiles of all this stuff is the wiles of the devil, all yeah. those tricks and deceptions. And and if you go go on down, it tells us what we're to do and like, you know, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and things like that. And the weapons of our warfare in our carnal where it tells us in, in another passage of scripture. So it's like we're not really even to be seen to be need to be engaging in the type of affairs that go on and that are basically dominating the news. That leads to a question too, though, because um, we're, we are a democracy and we vote things a lot. And so it's like, you know, how do we, how do we live in that responsibility of community and, and, um, and yet keep our focus straight on the Lord all the time. Mm -hmm. And maybe that answers it right there. Keeping our focus on him does answer that in many ways. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's see. Kevin starts some stuff again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 there you go. Because, they, but really, because, you know, I'm, 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 I got a picture in my mind of like how, how heated things get when, you know, mm -hmm. that whole idea of, politics and spirituality religion you know how that is so there's so much friction and 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 emotional uh baggage i could say it like that that's associated with that because just like kevin said you know you took you you listen to jesus he says when 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 what did he say to peter when he cut off that guard's ear Mm -hmm. Right, you know, and and how how Jesus how he spoke with Pilate, right? He said, "My kingdom is not of this world." Yeah, Be and because he was in a position where, like, hey, if he wanted to overthrow in a carnal way, he's the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. he he told him that I will have legions of angels, right? So obviously, even if we go back to John 17, how we are, are 
in this world, but we are not of it. So the question is, what does it look like to be in this world and to be salt and light and not be seduced to the point where we think that some sort of governmental overthrow is going to bring about the kingdom of God, right? Mm -hmm. And see, but like Mary said, we have a responsibility in this in the United States we have to vote, right? Yeah, to right, participate. rulers. That's what we need. Right? So, and the thing about that is, too, was 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 happening. You have different interpretation of what righteous rulers are. Well, the church backed out when, when, when they started talking about separation of church and state. The church almost backed completely out of government. And the result is what you're seeing now where they want to take, you know, 11-year-olds and change their sex and, you know, all that stuff going on. I mean, that's that's from the habit unrighteous rulers. Yeah. And then also, you know, we get into, like, I think this is where a lot of Christianity has been based on a religious mindset in America, too, is, um, like, even when you have somebody stand up for something good, you know, good moral, but it's, like, legislated the wrong way, like, you'll see certain news mediums and stuff or people talking and it'll get hateful instead of being like in a loving way, like, hey, this is wrong. But, you know, instead of like, I've even seen some, and I'm not going to say names because I'm not going to trash anybody, but mm. very conservative, like, view type of shows, you know, um, picking on people and being really mean, like, oh, they're gay or, oh, they're a snowflake or this or that. And I'm like, I do agree. Some people need to be on the hot seat. You know, they did wrong things, but I go, would Jesus really do that? You know, would he? be vicious about it. I mean, of course he wouldn't. He would be real, but he would love the person and he would see, you know, where they came from and then he would judge it from that, you know. But he did overthrow the money tables. <laughs> of course, yeah. But I yeah, mean, there, you know, there were well, times. he did call them Brooklyn Vipers, yeah. so um, there's no way Her you Herod, can sugarcoat that. Who was the leader he called an old fox? Uh, well, I, can't I don't say. know. Herod. Oh, what did he call him? A fox. Yeah. Oh, like like a, 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 ja a jackal. jackal. It's in Hebrew. Yeah. Oh. A, yeah. Oh. I yeah. Know That's that one word. step under yeah. under a coyote. <laughs> Very interestingly oh, enough, the ones that he got the most who were sworn was usually the religious leaders. Right. And, you know, because it's the lead because yeah. they're leaders, they have the influence, so they have more responsibility. Yeah, and so I mean, that's you the know, problem, granted, you know? he had to go on them because then they, I mean. They really got mad at him for hanging out with sinners. I mean, I can't imagine. Sometimes I've looked around and I go, Jesus, who would you have really hung out with? And I go, we would judge Jesus. Some of us would for, you know, like, why is he hanging around that person, you know? Um, I was thinking how, how much the world changed. Like when I was 10 years old, if I went to school and came home, my dad said, what did you do today? And I'd say, they brought a lot of men in dressed in women's clothes and, and they were dancing and they were trying to tell me I can be a girl if I want to. My dad would be one going for his gun. Oh my god! Oh and he'd be calling, and he'd be calling the neighbors to say, "We need to get over there and straighten that out." What was he gonna do with a gun? Huh? Let's go over there and tell him, "Hey, point a gun at people." This is this is nineteen. Well, back then it would have been nineteen fifties. Mm -hmm. uh, they wouldn't tolerate. And he it. just come home from the war. All the men came home from the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't fight for drag queens. No, no that's tragic. Right now, see now that's a very that's a very real situation that's very. going on in our world today. Now, 
what is the Christian response? What is the Jesus response? You know, you, you remember those wristbands? What would Jesus do? Right. He protect the kids first. Okay. There, there's ways to do it without being violent or ugly. But you got you got to stop it. Get the kids away from that kind of because uh, you know they're they're telling boys or girls when they're in an age you can convince them they're a dinosaur or a turtle. I mean, it's true. you know. But to me, one of the things that helped me as far as pulling back on the friction is um, we have to understand what covenant we're under. Because if you if you if you're still looking up from a, a old covenant mindset, then there's going to be free because we still have some of the body still living on the old covenant and still teach from that with that particular mindset versus understanding, okay, we're in a new covenant, so what is God's perspective or as we said, now I got to put on my grace glasses and look at it from that point of view. And be able to understand, hey, okay, this is how he sees it. He's no longer dealing with man this way. Well, as far as the transvestites and stuff, though, it's, it's not... It's, no, I, I'm not... It's wide open. That. It's wide yeah. open. The scripture talks yeah, about some it. things have to change. I'm saying it's fine. But what I'm saying is how do we, as he said, <coughs> we know that Bible still stands on that. But how do we you know, deal with that. Do we just, okay, come at them from a judgment? Okay, we're going to kill you. No, 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 cut no. you off. You see what I'm saying? So, right. Not unless they come to your house and try to take your kid out. Then you got trouble. But uh, <laughs> like her sister brought two homosexuals to our house one time. They were traveling. And we made them dinner and we made them comfortable and they sat around. It was no problem at all. But if one of those guys went to talk or try to transfer one of my kids, it would have been over right then and there, because there's a line you have to draw in the sand that you just can't you just can't let it go. And it's not the old covenant or the new covenant. It's what's right and wrong and what the scripture talks about. A man laying with a man and he'll receive in himself the recompense that's due. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty serious that stuff. Yeah, I, I would say it's love. You know, I mean, love covers a multitude of sin. Uh, love. Is what you know causes someone to um, can't quite think of that scripture right now, but draws a man to repentance. It's love. I mean, yeah, I mean the example Jesus just brought up. I mean, when Peter cut his ear off, he was the enemy. Jesus healed the enemy, and it's a perfect example of you know how to operate and function. I mean, I'll be transparent. I, you know, I vote different parties. I pray sincerely. I've, I've voted different parties, but I'm, honestly, I really felt I've gotten the answer, don't vote. And sometimes I vote for neither. So again, that's a way because I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, my honestly, how I feel God is leading me to do things. If you don't remember and the right people, and continually remember my, my weapons, you know, because my weapons of my warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to right. pull it down strongholds. So there's not a stronghold in this world that I can't pull down without prayer, 
word of God, you know, rebuking it, you know, casting it out if it's demonic. It, it has no power or authority withstand against God. And we're the ambassadors of Christ. So we're just, to me, it's like remembering what our weapons are. And constantly, even though it looks like nothing's happening, but we know that spiritual world, things are happening. And it's just a matter of time for the manifestation is in that physical world. Mm -hmm. See, I see us as a place, I study history. And there were Christians in Germany praying against Hitler and what he was doing. There were Christians in Italy praying against Mussolini and what he was doing. And you saw what happened there. And what, the, what did those people say that were saying, well, I'm believing God and this isn't going to happen. And it happened. So I, I think that voting, voting righteousness is the key to keeping your country safe. Now, this might be old-fashioned, but... But you, well, your, your faith isn't in man. Your faith is not in, in God. But I, I, I think that I, I, have a, I have, in this country, I have a vote. And if I don't vote for a righteous ruler, then I get what I deserve. That's what I think. See, but we live in a, in, in a culture where neither side is totally Christian. So No, you have to go by issues. Okay, but I'm saying, but so what if I'm passionate about this issue? Okay, then you got somebody passionate about this issue, and then they're saying, well, because I'm passionate about this issue, I'm going to vote this. And then another person, well, I'm passionate about this, I'm going to vote this. Well, so you, know, you can look at them all and say, who's got the best? I mean, who wants to murder more children? Who wants to, do, to, to make children, men, uh, little boys, girls? Who wants to bring drugs in the country? Who wants to legalize this? Who wants to do that? And say, they're the people that you, you can't scripturally be for. And if you vote for that party, you're actually putting a vote in, the, in that okay, favor. Well, you, what you're doing is you're saying one party is better than the other. No, I'm saying the people in the parties that are putting forth the issues. That's where you have okay, to find we, out. We understand that both parties have different views based on different things. So but I, I, I do think one party is better than the other, but I still think that party stinks. But I still okay. think, but I think it's better than the other party. Because the other party is doing things now that, that were unthinkable 20 years ago. Yeah, I think that might be a matter of opinion, but I always had this belief, and I kind of thought about it right now, you know, because some people don't believe in capital punishment, some do. Mm -hmm. I personally, personally, I'm not arguing down. I, I believe in capital punishment. I believe you murder. I think you need to have a death sentence. I mean, you don't really murder like cold blood, you know, not like an accident and gets weighed out in a jury or something. I'm mm -hmm. talking about like a literally, or like a murderer, and you're crazy, and you're evil. But my, my thought with it, you know, whether anybody agrees or not, I'm not trying to argue or anything. I always thought about it. I, I've, I've heard folks say, like, in the church, you know, like church body, I've heard, like, even people I used to go to church with, they go, like, oh, I wouldn't want to believe in capital punishment because I don't want to, like, send somebody to hell and this and that. And I go, right. My thought on this, I always thought, this is just me personally when I've heard about just throwing out there, there's a place for the state, there's a place for the church. And I always felt like if, um, you know, it, by law and by to protect our society, we needed to put a murderer to death. And get them out of our society, but it's like, well, what about them? What about their soul? Well, that's where we need the church. That's where we need somebody to come into them and minister to them and be like, hey, this is the consequence of what has happened. But listen, God loves you. Do you want, you know, some help? Do you want to talk? Do you want us to pray with you? Whatever, you know, lead them to Jesus. That's just just to throw it out there. That was just something I used to used to bother me. I thought of it years ago. I don't know if it's God, you know, <laughs> pertained or whatever, but I just always had kind of thought that I go. 
we do need to have consequences in our society for stupidity, if you will, anything dumb, mm-hmm. something will hurt somebody. Okay. But at the same time, everybody, you know, Jesus died for everybody, and he wants us all to come to know. Didn't capital punishment start in Scripture? There you go. Yeah, exactly. So, personally, I was like, just... And the, people, the I saw you with people there. about <laughs> capital punishment, and, I, and they would say it don't work. I say, show me one person who suffered capital punishment who's hurt anybody else. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, because in this day and age, you might get let out. Well, a lot of them are. So right I, yeah. I'm, I'm just philosophically okay. with you. Okay. But um, some people that are not saved, and you know, and they yeah. got a pardon. I'm happy for that too. Yeah, because over time, because over a period of time, yeah. they've shown, mm-hmm. and there was a lady in my head, I can't think of her name, years ago, and I think Kenneth Copeland was the one that, and and she asked, and I, it might have been George Bush or whoever, it doesn't matter. I was actually at peace with all of it. Like, okay, she wanted a pardon. I mean, the anointing and everything that when I was listening, I think it was Kenneth oh, Copeland, talk about her. Uh, yeah, talk about her. I can't, yeah, maybe yeah. I could just tell it's real. You, you know, mm-hmm. it's real and what's fake, but she didn't get the pardon. And she asked, I think it was kind of cool. Everybody, everybody and tried she, to get her and pardon. And she went to be with the Lord and it was like, there's no riots in the street. And she accepted it. And it was like, okay, what do I think she should have lived? Of course, but she didn't for whatever reason. And, and there was peace. There was no riot in the streets. And she didn't want to die, but she did, and she went to heaven, and it's like, we're all going to be dead anyway some way, so, like, okay. Yeah. You know, nobody asked my opinion. I'm not the one that decided. Now, see, this is why why I'm glad this issue came up, right? Because we see how, even in the conversation, it is tight net of a group that we have here. There are different opinions. There are different perspectives, right? Uh But... Us as the body, we have to be in a position where, regardless of what you got, what them, what, hat, go. what right. hat you have, whether it's blue or red or purple or green, you are my brother and sister because of Christ's blood. Yeah. We got the same <clears throat> blood covering us, right? Yeah. But that, but when we get engrossed with the cultural stuff, then that's where the enemy can do his work. Because again, just like Eric said, it, it gets the mission diverted. It gets our focus diverted on carnal things. But Jesus, we, we can't, we, nobody can refute what Jesus said when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm. It's not. But he also said what? He called us salt right. and light. Right? Light, yeah. So I can be salt and light without my focus, my devotion being in this world system. Because I could be I could passionately go and vote for who I believe is the lesser of two evils. Or I could sit home and say, you know what? Neither one of them represent the righteousness of God from what from what I see. So I could sit home. But I don't have the right to point my finger at either one of y'all. I don't. I really don't. Now, I know that still burns some of us, but I don't have the right. I don't. Now, I could respectfully disagree with you. And see, and that's where we can kind of, that's where we can, we can 
burn mm-hmm. those bridges and, and just and, and talk. But we have to be objective because neither one of us, none of us is the, the, the complete understanding of all truth. We prophesy in part, we see in part, we know in part. But when we believe our part is better than everybody else's part, then that's, that's where the division starts. Yes. The point you were making, there's laws. Society has to have laws in order to flourish. When you violate those laws, there's consequences. The person should pay the consequences. But as Christians, we pray for their souls. Mm-hmm. Okay? they Let them go to heaven in, from jail. Right? If they get sentenced to jail, if they get the electric chair, whatever the consequence is, but our concern is, yeah, that's the right thing for the choices that they make, but our concern is that they be saved. I so there's that. room for, for both, I, but I, we have to have order in our society. There has to be a set of laws. I saw a military guy the other day saying, we don't judge our enemies. He said, we, we just give them the ticket to God, and then God judges them after that. That's, <laughs> that, that's real. You know, I thought of an example, too, about, you know, loving somebody, but being firm in correction and mm-hmm. having a structure. There's two families I know of, I'll say it that way. There is a friend of mine, I will say, I went to youth group with many years ago. And this person, this guy, I'll say it that way, he had molested his brother and possibly his sister. I can't remember which one told me that he had his sibling or siblings. His parents knew about it. And he told me at a youth group meeting one time, we were like besties and we were close and stuff at the time. He's went his way. I mean, he's good. I was going to tell the reason being that he's good probably. His parents dealt very harshly with him. I mean, they, like his dad, laid the Bible law down to him. I don't know what they did to him. Maybe they, even though he was a teenager, I'm not thinking what, I don't know. He didn't get into that, but he just, he felt, but this is the thing. He felt so ashamed of what he did. He was telling me, he's like, Will you forgive me, Joel? Well, man, you know, I, I forgive. I mean, it's up to your brothers and sisters and your parents, but I love you. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you feel sorry, whatever. He just had to get off his chest and tell a friend and, you know, sworn to secrecy or whatever. I mean, I told her. But anyway, I I thought about that and I said, here's an example. I mean, he's, he's good now. He's had a job, nice job, whatever. Not anybody knows. And I go, but his parents, they love him. He's, is he still their son? Of course he is. Did they deal with him harshly? They mopped before up with him, and they needed to, you know, for the protection of their other children and also his own protection because he needed to know, like, no, you don't do that, you know, like, ow, that, you know, there's there's a consequence there. Plus, you know, all that. I love and I go, sure he's love. good in that sense in life, you know. And I go, then I know of another guy, or I should say a man. He molested multiple children. Um, and... I know the parent, I know the mother, and I know how she has handled him, and he has been coddled his whole life, and he, from what I understand, he had something very horribly, horrible happen to him, I think he may have been raped or molested himself, and okay, that is so sad, absolutely sad, but every time it came to it, the reason this boy had multiple situations he did, this mother never took care of it, she never, like, Either, you know, even if, you know, it wasn't, okay, punishment, okay, maybe he needed counseling, whatever he needed, it was never handled properly, and he continued to do wrong things, and I go, that's the balance of, you know, to me, you know, it's an example anyway of, you know, she loved him, it's her son, but it didn't need to be, you know, it's like, 
I'm never doing wrong in my eyes. No, 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 no. He, he's wrong. And you're wrong as a parent, you know, to um, to say that's right and allow that and to not say, like, hey, you can't do that. That's wrong. That's brutally wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just go, you know, we can love, but do it in a firm way and let somebody know, you know, and protect them as well as everybody else. So. We're living in a day where people think that if you want to enforce consequences that you have no compassion. Oh, yeah. And you can you can so err on the side of compassion when when you push someone to something that's eventually going to harm them, do them harm because mm-hmm. you don't want to confront or so appear to be judging. That's that's right. not godly compassion. No, it's not. I saw a really a real quick clip to, um, this morning or last night. And it was um, a young man who was convicted by a jury, but he was convicted of murdering his girlfriend. And his mom wanted to stand up and ask the judge, could I stand up and say something for my son? And he said, sure. And immediately she wanted to go with, my son is innocent. He stopped, the judge stopped her and said, you are not a witness. He He has been found guilty of murder. He goes, you can say things. But you cannot say that. She she still, she wanted to go right back into coddling her son. My son is a good boy. I brought him up in church. I did this and this. I know my son. My son would never do that. And he had to stop her again and told her, he goes, ma'am, you are not a witness. This is not a trial. He has been convicted of murder. It's over. And she could not, there was nothing she could say and ended up giving, you know, he, he said he, he, the judge himself, when he went to send him, he goes, you are, it was horrible what he had did. And he said, you will go to prison for life. And his mother was just trying to keep, she wanted to mm-hmm. put him on this pedestal Sorry. instead of going, I'm sorry to everyone he hurt. Mm-hmm. Sorry to y'all. I wish I, I, I it's not my fault. Right. I did the best I could. Right. She didn't do that. Mo- so. Moms are the easiest people to manipulate on earth. When I was a bad guy, I, I said manipulate my mom and she she never really thought I did a lot of the stuff I did because I'd, I'd lie and manipulate Now, see, now we, you see how all of the different perspectives, right? Yep. Now we went from politics to discipline, right? Yeah. Right. And, and this is where it's just another prime example where we need the Holy Spirit. Because mm-hmm. both of us can sit there and then we can read the same scripture and come to a different conclusion on, on how to apply yeah. what we see as biblical truth. <laughs> Been done for thousands of years. But this is why we need the Holy Spirit. It's a prime example. Right? Because he, he knows the proper application. Spending time with that. But we do know that killing, stealing, and destroying is the work of the devil. <laughs> Everybody should know that. Of course. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Should right? I mean, right. it's sad. Not all of us say that, though. Right. Yeah. Right. But see, even with that, even with that, I can say I can, I can, I can know that. I can know that. But how do I? But the way I approach folks who doesn't who don't have the same clarity as you and I do, mm-hmm. it's important, mm-hmm. right? That don't mean I got to be soft and try to train change scripture. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? But there's just certain there, there is a way to say things. 
every situation. You know, speak the truth in love. Um, love never fails. All right. So, you know, sweet fails. lips increase of learning. It's true. Some need a knock over the head. I mean, we all do sometimes. You know, the other day I, I needed it and it was love. Just something happened in life. But I go, there's some people, the heart, they seem to be the hardest and the hardest heart, you know. And um, we used to, my best friend Dennis and stuff, he used to tease one of our youth leaders. But not teasing him in a mean way. He just, he admired it. He's, anyway, one of our youth leaders, he would do like street ministry. And Dennis would always be like, Adam, brother, he, he goes to the, the meanest looking, scariest looking guys. And then he would ask Adam, he'd go like, Adam, you know, like, why, why are you drawn to them? And he goes, oh, I just see the size of his heart inside. And he goes, well, I see the size of his gun. You know, you're sort of laughing back and forth. But, you know, Dennis and I knew that hmm. Adam just had a gift for that. He knew he could look inside somebody and just see, like, they need Jesus. There's something hurting in them. He's, I mean, tough looking people. Like, they're, my, they're my kind of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're my kind of and people. And someone would be like, oh, they're horrible. They're too far gone for God. They don't want Jesus. And then Adam would just like pray for him and do something. Mm -hmm. So now I, I need to follow up on what I said because I know somebody were here hear that that quote, sweet lips increase learning and like that ain't in the Bible. Okay. I got two <laughs> places for us to go. <laughs> Proverbs 15 and 23. And then we're gonna go to Proverbs 16, 21 after that. Proverbs 15, 23. All right. In the New Living Translation, verse 23, Proverbs 15 says, Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. In the Amplified, it says, a man has joy in giving an appropriate answer. And how good and delightful is a word spoken at the right moment. How good it is. All right, let's go to Proverbs 16. Looking at verse 21. All right. And the King James says, The wise in heart shall call shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increase of learning. Mm. And the Amplified says, The wise in heart will be called understanding, and sweet speech increases pervasiveness, uh, persuasiveness and learning in both speaker and listener. Yeah, like I said, when I, um, I know when I came back, you know, I, of course, in my teenage years, I kind of straight away came back in the 20s and on fire for God. I remember a young lady I worked with and uh, now what I said was correct, but I said it so bad oh. <laughs> that she looked at me, she said, okay, she said, you know, I'm, I may go to church. She said, but I'm not coming to yours. Because oh. I was I was vicious. I let it happen. I mean, I, you know, and just being ignorant and just thinking, you know, you got to talk to people first. She said, yeah. She said, I mean, I may, may not go to church. She said, but if I do go by church, she said, I'm not coming to yours. Because I was, you know, having venom. I mean, but once again, I just... 
what I said was true. Right. It was the way I said it. I think we were all like that when we were young in the Lord and you get real zealous. Yeah, I remember, I can never forget it. I remember her saying, she looked me right in the face. She waved out things. She said, okay, fine. I'm not coming to your church. It's like that example I gave before. It's like you you can have filet mignon, but if you serve it on a trash can, don't nobody want it. Exactly. I mean, I learned from that experience. Okay, you know, it is the way you say something, you know, and you know, but like he said, don't back down from what you're saying. But it's like, okay, you know, sometimes people receive like, okay, I heard what he said, the way they said it. Okay, soft answer turns right. away rather. Right. Soft. Yeah. And and see, and 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 those of us who are folks that are a little more bold and aggressive in their speech, they'll use the statement, "Well, I don't sugarcoat stuff." There you go. I just don't sugar. I just tell it like it is. There you go. I'm being, like, they call it being bold for God. Being bold, right? No, it's, it's called being in your flesh. <laughs> That's what it's called. Being in your flesh. Because the scripture says, speak the truth in love. Now, practically speaking, there are times that, you know, you physically have to say things firm. And, there, and there's certain people that they're not going to receive it unless you say it in a very aggressive and, hard, and, and, and firm way. But the Holy the Holy Ghost is the one that they, they'll they'll let you he'll let I mean, you know yeah, if you're being led you, you can right. say it the way he wants you to say it and the person won't take it uh, the way they shouldn't if if you're being led the offense will not be there all right yeah I can't remember what he knows oh what I'm sorry no I'm sorry go ahead <laughs> um, I can't remember what the topic was that in my mind I had a conversation with myself and um. The response of the woman at the well jumped into my head. Jesus told her, you're not, you, you know, you're not, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now, you're is, with not, now is not your husband. Her mm -hmm. response was thrilled. You must be a prophet. He <laughs> her response that, oh my oh gosh, gosh. You, he, she ran home to her. Oh, come here about the man that told me all about my life, which her life was trash. And I somehow today that I'm like, well, that was interesting that I never in my entire life thought about. She was thrilled. And she became an come evangelist. She went into town and got a whole bunch of people yeah, out to meet Jesus. Like, that particular one is really interesting. I've heard somebody speak on that, and they, they really. Um, opened my eyes to something I hadn't read before, but but uh, that was a Jesus moment because it what he when he said yes you've spoken correctly that was in a sandwich and he started it with a compliment and he ended it with a compliment and he spoke the truth in the middle and it it has really um, stood out to me ever since then that that Jesus really. Um, showed us how to speak the truth in love mm. in the way he handled that situation specifically. That's good. But in our culture today, it's how dare you tell me anything? How dare you tell me? You know, it's part of our American wildness you know, independence oh. that we, we think that, like you just said, there are things that need to be said. Maybe I'm not the one that's supposed to say it. 
maybe this is not the time I'm supposed to say it, or maybe I'm never supposed to say it. We we just think that we have a right to speak out and speak from from Facebook, from all the social media. That's only made it so much worse mm-hmm. that people feel entitled to say anything and everything they platform. think. There's there's no decorum anymore. There's no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Kevin, go ahead. You, you know, I was thinking like what Mary and, and, and Terry, but Mary was saying it was like a Jesus moment. It was, I mean, I'm sure in that town, there was a whole lot of stuff going on. What that lady was doing and having five husbands was probably no big deal compared to some of the other iniquity and sins and things were going on. But that was a God moment, what needed to be spoken then to cause her to go evangelize the whole town. Um, Ephesians, I was reading something in Ephesians chapter five recently, and it was like I was getting some different stuff from it. And it's like, okay, it tells us that days are evil. And it's talking about, you know, it's under New Covenant, New Testament, the days are evil. So that's right now. The days are evil. But it tells us how that we're to kind of man- manipulate it through or how we're to just walk. I think the, the King James says circumspectly, but walk very wisely redeeming the time, knowing exactly what's going on, what's going on around you, because it, it's it's just an evil time. Mm-hmm. But there's just, we have to know what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord was for Jesus to speak to that lady and then her go evangelize the whole time. But it wasn't his will to call out somebody else. I mean, it might have been a thousand people lived in that town, but nobody else got called out. But she did, because that was the time and place for it to happen. Yeah. But, and it's just that key, and that's what Julia's saying, the Holy Spirit, we've got to be know when. Got to know when. And it's always, always going to be evil in this world. But some stuff don't supposed to be fixed at the, every time. You know, something, something's got to, it's going to be evil going on. It's going to be. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, it's going to be in this world. And it may not supposed to be fixed right now by me or by somebody. But at a certain time or a certain thing, because really the goal is not to really fix the evil in this world, but get people born again. And so they can have that relationship with God. I want to be born again, but I think there's enough evil people. You got to have a restraint on them, or else they're going to run wild. Well, to speak to what she was saying, you know, the way people, you know, and and this week, you know, I heard somebody say, "Well, I'm, I'm going to be an unapologetically me." <laughs> okay, that's dangerous to me because <laughs> I don't know about anybody else. I'm going to need some grace sometimes. I'm going to need some forgiveness. Yeah, really? Yeah. Really? Sometimes I'm going to have to apologize because I may say it the wrong way. I may say something. Yep. I may speak something that um, without having all the information. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you say I'm, I'm a, I'll be out unapologetically me, you're saying, okay, well, I'm not going to apologize. Well, that's a bad place to me, in my opinion. Okay. Right. Well, you saying okay? I ain't gonna apologize enough mm-hmm. because 
you won't need. What you're saying is you're never going to be wrong. Right. That's yeah. what you're saying. You're saying I'm never going to need any forgiveness. I'm never going to need any mercy. Right. No mercy. You know, so no. therefore, That's not you a good know, place. Yeah, you got to be careful because you're going to need some, you know, right. you're going to miss the mark. And any of the motives, like what Jesus did with, you know, the woman and the wall, like that's one of my favorite stories. And I think John and probably the whole entire like gospels, but that Jesus just sat there and talked with a woman, you know, who nobody would talk to, who would talk with a woman anyway, you know, and I believe he saw the heart of the matter with her. It was like, this woman's broken. I mean, and he wasn't point out to tell her, like, you're so bad. He was just like realizing that she was broken. Who knows what happened in her life for her to try to fix it and try to fix it and try to fix it. And then, oh, let's give up on marriage completely. I'm just going to live with this guy or whatever or see him. And then like, I mean, you know, the, the guy she was with or whatever. And I go, what do we see in our society? We see so much of that, you know, today. And I mean, you see the fatherlessness and then you see, you know, you know, that Satan's killed, still killed and destroyed. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had so many friends go through it where, I mean, you know, just think one man right after the other, right after the other. And you look at them and you know, they're not like prostituting or something. They just, they're hurting and they're trying to fix it. And it's only hurting, well, it's not only hurting them, it's hurting the men too, you know, or, right. you know, whatever. And it's just this void. And Satan's throwing this up in the face, mm -hmm. and they keep grabbing it. And somebody come along, and go, no, don't grab that. God's got better. He wants to heal you. And if we could just be the salt light like that, I believe it would fix it a lot better. I used to work in a car dealership, and there was a lot of girls in there. And uh, what they would do is they move in with somebody, and it usually lasts somewhere between eighteen months and three years. And then one of them would find somebody else and leave. And these girls would come into work just shattered, mm -hmm. and they like to talk to me. And I'd say, well, you're going through a divorce. She said, but I'm not married. I said, you're still going through a divorce. You've been with, you've been with this guy sleeping yeah. with him for three years, and now he's left with somebody else. You're going through a divorce. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, right? you know, God, God wants to protect you from that kind of stuff uh, through marriage. Yes. You know, and uh, they would listen. You know, they would listen, and when they got real bad situations, they'd come and talk. Now, I wanted. Piggyback on what Kevin was saying. I want to. I'm gonna go. We're gonna go to Ephesians five, right? But then we're gonna go to Second Timothy three. No, we're gonna go to Second Timothy three first, and then I want us to go to Ephesians five after that, because it just it all ties into, you know, how how we live with a Christian philosophy and. Live in such a way that others around us can taste and see that the Lord is good, like like Psalm says. All right. All right, let's Second Timothy three, starting at verse one. In the New Living Translation, it says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, 
but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, when I heard Eric use that phrase, I'm going to be unapologetically me. What if you're a jerk? Mm. <laughs> you're an unapologetic, unapolog jerk. unapologetic jerk. Doesn't that sound like what we just read? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Now, Tiny and Julie's point, right? A lot of times there's a when there's a need to just to justify myself or or to, to put myself on display or get validation from you know people I don't even know, right? To just to 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 just put myself out there. A lot of times what's happening, there's a void that I'm trying to fill. Right? There's something that's missing. Now, how am I going to minister to somebody like that? How am I going to be in a position where we can minister to people like that? I tell you what, I tell you what it's not. It's not me standing there with my bony finger mm -mm. pointing at them or with a picket sign telling them they're going to hell. Right? Sweet lips, increase <laughs> learning, right? Now, let's, let's tie back to Ephesians 5. For it is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. And see, again, people when people hear that, it's like, oh, you just, you another one of those marshmallow Christians. But the example that y'all gave about the, the people you had in your house, mm -hmm. you fed them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gave them a good meal. Mm -hmm. Treated them, treat them kindly, right? There's, there's a door that's being opened now, right? They, they can't forget that. They may see them people with the picket signs, mm -hmm. right? But they can't deny the fact that there was some believers that opened up their home to them. Which, which you think had a better influence for the kingdom? The picket sign or the hot meal? All right, Ephesians 5, I'm gonna start at verse 10. I read in the New Living Translation. It says, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it, said, it is said, Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. That, that deserves an amen. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when we, the best way to be a witness is to be what? A living one. A live one. But, you know, there's a way to even rebuke somebody without being hateful and angry and be, be gentle about it. And, and, and if the Holy Spirit's moving on you, they'll know it's correction from God. They'll know it's not you talking them down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And sometimes we ain't got to use our mouth. Mm -hmm. Just us making a different decision in a certain situation. Because mm -hmm. it's like, just like the scripture says, the light, the light is going to, and you ain't got to, you ain't got to say nothing arrogantly. You ain't got to say nothing at all. You just make a certain decision that the crowd isn't making. Then that is, that light is being shined right there. Right, like okay, why why are you not going along with this? Yeah, X Y Z. Why? I don't understand how you think you you, you think you all fuddy duddy. You think you yeah. all that all such and much, but you continue to walk in that light. And they can't understand it. At they, first. Right. I don't understand how you can still like I said. I've been in a place where I said it's been three four years ago now where I was. I did a lot of things or showed it anyway that most would not have thought I would have. And, and I, I, I gave up on the idea that I thought God was not God, but the way I thought God was. And I said, I had a fatherly figure reach out to me and reach out to me, quote unquote, through Facebook and message me personally, but still read a few lines. And that was it. I couldn't, I was so terrified of God. That's, I mean, that shows where it was anyway. I got mom to read it and she read over it. And I said, mom, and I was crying because I knew what he had did. It was like, you don't need to do this. You need your Proverbs 31 woman. Why are you doing this? Da, 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 whatever, you know? And I mean, I say that because it wasn't, not to disrespect this man because I know he's a good Christian man. I still look up to him, but I go, the heart behind it, there was a religiosity and the reason I knew. And then I had asked mom, I just, I was crying. I said, mom, did he ask me how it was? And she goes, no, he didn't. And it just hit me like in my tears. I go, he didn't understand what he's doing. This all he would have had to do was say, "How are you doing?" And I think it would have been like, you know, so much different, you know. And I, I know because we all can judge you by can't what you do see. This, um, and you can't do this. Yeah. I'm trying to be a Proverbs 31. Not yeah. one time was there one question. One. You know, yeah. How are you? Screaming? Confronted me even like on public, yeah. you know, Nothing. stuff, sad face through my post and. I put on a hat one time. It said babe on it. was a hat. It was not. I was completely, you know, in nice clothes and stuff. And it was just, mm -hmm. he goes, well, you got a question. Are you a babe? Or you're a Proverbs 31 woman? Whatever. Babe the pig. Yeah. Can <laughs> he ever see that movie? I know it could have been that, you know, yeah, right? Been that. You know, it's just Good like. Good point. Because he doesn't. He doesn't know what that babe because, well, Don't ask her. questions. You know, never ask questions. Just judge. Them. Right? Exactly. And it just, just judge and that's it. But we, you know, maybe somebody else maybe knew was that, big but big. I didn't at the moment. And, you know, God knew. It's like, ask me how I am, you know? And the proverbial, you know, it's like a starving person will go to like a dump or a dumpster and try to eat like crap, basically. But you tell them, you know, hey, you know, God has a nice meal served up for you. And mm -hmm. that was it. I was in that place. See, I, I needed, you know, that kind of thing versus. When my 46-year-old son was three, we were in the supermarket shopping, and he had been watching Sesame Street for two weeks, and he walked up to a nun and pulled on her habit, and she looked down and smiled at him and goes, hi, fat pig. Oh, and I said, I said, I, I said, I'm sorry. He's been watching Sesame Street. He doesn't know what a fat pig is. I said, now you apologize, and we're going to go. I took him by the hand. He turned around and said, bye, fat pig. Oh, my God. But what are you going to do with a three-year-old kid that's all let him watch TV? He don't know what words are. Unsupervised TV. Because, <laughs> like, you don't say that. You well, know? you figure he'd be safe with Sesame Street back then. No, no. no. That's 40 years ago. <laughs> you don't know, you don't know. They, they were indoctrinating 40 yeah. years ago. All right. Now, we gone. Let me see. 
How do we yeah. transition? Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Sharp turn. Let's right. make a shot. Let's make a sharp turn <laughs> right. To um, let, let's go to John seventeen. <laughs> John 17 and uh, let's start it. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. Let's start at verse 12. I'm reading New Living Translation. It says, During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. I gave myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so... They can be made holy by your truth. Verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one as you and I are one. Mm -hmm. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And they be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. You see that last verse, 21. You see that? I pray that they will be all be one, just as you are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Now, Jesus and the Father are one, right? All right. So Jesus and his church are supposed to be. You know, that seems like that's the one thing that Satan is fighting against most in the church. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. Because, you know, if we're one, we are unstoppable. You know, I, I think it's in Genesis 5, I believe, or one of those early chapters in Genesis, when a group of people... I mean, they didn't even have God living in them like we do now. Yeah. And they were going to build that city and build that tower and say, we're going to build all the way to God. And then, you know, verse two later, God comes down, checks it out. It's like, you know, I got to basically stop this because 
I mean, ain't nothing they can't accomplish because they're like one and they're all speaking the same language, you know? And so that's what he did. He basically caused a division. Everybody speak a different language, so they couldn't do it. Imagine what we could do now. Mm. We, this manifestation of this prayer at any given time. I think we're moving in that direction, though, slowly as the persecution in this country against Christians is coming. I think it's it's just going to be a natural consequence. We're going to unify. We have to, to stick together. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm seeing things now, and seeing how this is, you know, Andrew Womack affiliated, I've seen just Andrew's ministry reach way out into all kinds of other areas and bring people in. He's got people teaching there now, um, going on the road with him. You just see he's embracing what you want to call other camps. There's, there's just a lot more unity. I'm seeing it among a lot of ministries where they're all reaching out to each other, supporting one another, encouraging one another, and that I'm building my own kingdom mentality is really coming down. I think I'm too, encouraged yeah, by yeah. it. Me too. I think in the, the America, I think like especially, I think the pandemic kind of helped, kind of did this too, is where folks are getting tired of the this is the church, this is the steeple, open the door and see all the people thing. Like you know, I mean, you know, not that it's not good to have a body of believers be together. I mean, we need to be together. It's not that. It's just the structure, the the religious type of structure. I don't know how to say it. I don't want to. We're supposed to be in unity. We're supposed to meet together. We're here institutional. yeah institutional yeah institutional type of thing like when it real i guess you know like folks really are getting to that point mm -hmm. yeah but i think one of the things that can help us as far as i'd say about sticking with the mission is you know i think it's in Matthew 24 when he's talking about the, the things that have to happen before the incomes and when we read that as this believer when we read that and see all the things that's going on, that should help us come to the mission. And, and I'm like, you, you can't pray with prophecy. It, it's got to happen. Right. That's right. So when we read that and say, okay, Jesus says that this has to happen before the end comes. And we read those things. Mm -hmm. If the body of Christ, we just look at it and say, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened. And when he talks about sorcery, that's drug-induced states and boy, the whole world's there. Even older people, man, are, are you know ten or twelve doctors prescriptions. I mean, and the young kids are into all that stuff coming across the border. I mean, and they're dying from it. Yeah, I understand. But we we focus on that, and we then that should um, to me compel us to say, okay, you know what? Our goal is to help people come to Christ, get to know Jesus, and you know, because when we see all these things happening, we know, okay. It's getting closer. And when those things are happening, things are getting harder, you know? And people are rising up against each other. And uh, But that's part of the end times when you can see it all around you and say, I need, I need to be about my father's business. There's too much stuff going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's where um, the verse is that uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge, knowledge. Mm -hmm. really resonates to me because I think that's what I keep bumping against so often, and it's true with me too. I'm just peddling for all I can to to, to grow in this. But but um, I just see so many people that are believers, but they don't know what they believe. 
we still don't know the word. We don't know the living word in the word. And so I, I think, you know, that's the sober word that, that really um, has been strong in my heart is that we, we need to be growing in the, you know, sing with the Lord and growing in the word with him and then getting it out to other people, which obviously y'all are doing because that's what you're here for. But <laughs> um, it's, it to me seems like the urgent cry because there's so many people that, that um, think that they know what's going on, but they don't, they don't, they don't know what the word says. Well, I have a good question. So some of the cities that are have started the, thank God, we don't have to vote on anything, think about it. Those cities where they're doing the the needles, you know, the yeah, giving up needles. So yeah, so the argument would be, well, yeah, but we're, you know, they're saving people's lives. Isn't that, you know, this is love and you're a Christian. And so shouldn't you be for all of that? Because love your neighbor and you're saving their lives and that's love, right? So you should be on board and support that. Right? Well, with all that fentanyl coming across, a lot of them might die using them brand new needles. Yeah. So what's the um, argument for pro or con that because they're gonna they do sometimes try to use your Christianity against you. Oh yeah. So what do we do about that? Ask the Holy Spirit and he'll tell you. No, I mean oh well, Yeah, okay. I mean that, that that that's it. That's it. We used to go to doctors' offices that's and it. get syringes out of the trash can and clean them with alcohol and use them. Uh, in New Jersey, I mean, everybody was using used syringes. But how do I answer? But how do I answer that person that's um, questioning my love? I'm not going to talk about the Holy Spirit to them. I'm, you know, they're saying, "How can you say you love when you don't want to do this?" Um, well, here's one thing you could so that could be said is that okay. I understand that, you know, individuals that use dirty needles are in greater mm -hmm. risk of infection and disease. But the conflict I have is that the the drugs themselves are killers. Yes. Right. So either position I take, yeah. I'm not really in the right. 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 So obviously the lesser of two evils would be to provide the syringes. It's just like the whole condom thing when, when, when um, you know, the AIDS epidemic was like really the focus of attention and people were giving out condoms and stuff. It's like, I'm not going to promote fornication, right? The conflict is if I'm just giving out free condoms at my church or whatever, then I'm promoting something that is that is not is outside of right. God's will. However, I understand that that these things can save individuals that are going to engage in that activity. Right. So I'm not going to tell you I'm against that, but I'm not going to put it outside of my facility. 
go go look go on Google or go on YouTube and look up Kensington Avenue in Philadelphia. That's all you got to do. Kensington Avenue. You'll see thousands. They got five thousand homeless people. The needles are ankle deep all over the streets, and and this fentanyl drug. A lot of people are just bent over, like looking at their shoes, for hours. Just, I mean, go look it up when you go home. Look it up. That's okay. I'll pass. But I mean, that's what happens when you're giving away pocketfuls of condoms and well, boxes full of needles. There's needles everywhere. Because isn't there a law? Whatever you subsidize, you'll get, get more of. Yeah. But I I know what's in my heart, and I know um, I, I've learned to try to you know come up with what is the argument, you know what, so I can be prepared. But I wanted to hear somebody else, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I you vocalized what I would have thought that I would have come up with. Like so I think promoting. I know what I believe in, but I didn't know how to. Right. What I, do I say? I think prom promoting drugs by giving them needles. Right. It's just wrong. Is is is, is more I can't wrong. Promote the, the sin or the wrong. I, I, I think it. I think the promotion of the drug is is more important. Uh, in other words, by giving them needles, you're saying this is okay. Go 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 get them drugs and do it. But is but the drugs that they're shooting up are illegal, right? Yeah. Okay. So then I cannot support anything that's illegal. Because that's unbiblical. It's like saying, let's get them safe, safer bullets mm -hmm. so they don't kill each other so fast. Exactly. Yeah. So I think my argument would be, at, at its core, that drug thing is illegal, and I'm not going to support anything that's illegal, and nobody's making you do anything. Nobody's making you take the drugs. If you want to get, if, if you have a choice to go get off the drugs, then you need to do it, and that's it. Like... Nobody is literally going to sit there and make you continue to be a drug addict. Period. The understanding I got from Julius was it's not a yes, it seems like it's not a yes, no answer. It's a Holy Spirit answer. Well, I think the fact that it's illegal is a no answer. Can you see Jesus handing somebody in the to do illegal substances? Right. I can't see him do that. Because I can understand the conflict. I can, I can, I can, I can empathize with what. Is trying to be done, yes, but I not, but that, not yeah. necessarily, you know, yeah. participate in it. Now, I'm not gonna hold up a picket sign against right. it. Exactly, right. that's what you yeah. want to do. Right, yeah. do that. But I'm not. But again, and this is why I say the Holy Spirit, because you got to realize too. And when you're talking to people, people ask questions for the very purpose of tripping you up. Right. If they did it to Jesus, they sure enough gonna right. do it to us. Amen. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta say, I don't know. In fact, when they're looking at us, they're hoping we trip up because they want to run back and tell somebody else. You know what? That so -so I mean, that's, they're, they're looking at, at all Christians are under a magnifying glass, whether they know it or not. But it, but for but we at least don't have to do anything with that because we don't we don't have that. Thank God. So we're I taking don't... to another extreme because people have, are so confused about love. You have a relative who's in a lot of pain. And so they want to kill themselves. So they ask you to please help them. Euthanasia. Well, if you loved me, don't you know how much pain I'm in? You would help me get out of this. I can't do that. <clears throat> I can't do that. You can call me loveless all day long. <clears throat> Love won't let me do that for you. Yeah, at the end of the day, I have to live with me. And you will stand before God. And I already right. told her, if I get like that, fill me full of drugs so I can go out on the cloud 
She told you she's not going to do exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm talking about legal pain pain pills from the doctor. Keep me, keep me high. I'm trying to land smoothly on the doctrinally. <laughs> right. Wait, and then, you Okay, they had her in hospice for months and months and months, and my sister overheard them saying, "We don't know what this lady's constitution is, but she ain't never gonna die." That's because they know? weren't giving her the morphine. They weren't. They gave her just a touch so that when they flipped her and they touched her bed sore, she wouldn't scream out. But my mother wasn't in pain, and she lived for months and months and months and could talk. and And when she died, she died. When she died, and my sisters had that peace, they didn't, they didn't kill her. Awesome. Yeah. When hospice just, comes in, they know how many days that you're going to live before the, before you die, because they're going to keep increasing that morphine until mm -hmm. you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll close with um with Kevin's point when he was talking about Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel, yes. and you see how unity. the the unity was so strong. Amongst these, these these carnal group of folks, the Lord says in verse five, he says, but the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they will speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Wow. This is the Lord saying this. Mm -hmm. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Now, isn't it curious how... On the day of Pentecost, <laughs> just the reverse. The Lord uses mm -hmm. the exact reverse <laughs> tactic <laughs> to bring together the church. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Right. And we can speak in a language that Satan can't understand. Mm -hmm. That is good. You know what's needed in the New Testament? What did Jesus say? The power of the prayer of agreement. If the church, if the ecclesia were in agreement, look mm -hmm. at the power that we would be exerting on this earth. Right. We're two or three are gathered together. We would bring in mm -hmm. heaven. We're two or three are gathered. To earth. Mm -hmm. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Mm -hmm. right. So mm -hmm. this is why this whole issue of unity and being one with one another, that is like, it's huge. Mm -hmm. But the gates are, the gates are, we're attacking the gates. The, the, the gates are supposed to hold us back. In other words, gates can't attack. The gates of hell will not prevail. We're tearing the gates down, is, according to that scripture. That's what we should be doing, tearing those gates down to get in and spoil his kingdom. That's good. All right, social media family. I ran over a little bit today. Right. Hope you enjoyed it. Yes. We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night.